0: Hey, Jenny.
1: Hey, Todd. How are you?
0: I'm great. It's podcast day. It's my favorite day. What are Mine we talking too. about today?
1: We are talking about Rogue One. What the heck's that? Well, you may or may not have heard of the movie Rogue One. It's uh, the stand, the first standalone movie in this little, little franchise known as Star Wars. Maybe you've heard of it. I've heard of it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, So Drew Garst coined the term Rogue One for our group, this thought leadership group that we're going to be talking about. And, you know, if you've seen the movie, you know that, you know, the the movie revolves around this group of um, this kind of unexpected merging of this group of folks that are coming together to find the plans for the Death Star. And so, you know, unexpected group, common goal moving something forward. Um, and so the idea that, you know, this group of that came to be known as rogue one, it was a group of folks that were coming together to start putting thought leadership out, you know, in this time of COVID-19, you know, there's a lot of our clients are struggling with things. I think we're all struggling with what the world looks like and will look like in the future. And so this group came together with this kind of common objective of trying to push thought leadership out to, um, to the world and to the firm and to our clients. And so the group came to be known as Rogue One. So we're going to talk about what the group is focusing on right now and in the future.
0: That's really cool. What, what it sounds like to me. So you I haven't seen shame, the movie Shame, shame, shame. Um, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but it feels like I've seen like six or nine or 50 <laughs> other Star Wars movies that involve a ragtag ba- band uh-huh. of misfits trying to get the the plans for a a sphere right yeah basically basically
1: that's the plot of all the movies yes
0: okay Uh okay so i'm in the right place what what you helped me see though is that really the whole star wars franchise is really about knowledge management and about you know dissemination of of knowledge who gets it who doesn't you know passing it along from from expert to novice and uh And all that. So, so I'm on board. I think that's nice. nice.
1: (laughs) Well, on that note, um, how about we kick it off with Romano and he'll be talking with us about how the group came to be. So hope everybody enjoys. Let's kick this off with Romano Nickerson out of the Boulder office, talking about how the Rogue One effort came to be and how it's being used as a vehicle to drive thought leadership within the firm. Well, good morning, Romano. How are you?
2: I'm doing well, Jenny. How are you today?
1: Oh, I'm doing just great. Um, I was thank you for coming on to the podcast.
2: You're welcome. Hope
1: hoping that you can talk with um, our fellow biscuits about the effort that has come to be known as Rogue One and mm-hmm. what what the what this group has been doing.
2: Well, it's actually the merging of kind of two different stories, and I'll start with the one that um, everyone can probably relate to, and that was. You know, we we have been in a period of, of high uncertainty and there's so many things outside of our ability to control, uh, whether it's social distancing practices or whatever's going to happen with the economy and will jobs continue or not. And obviously that can be really unsettling and, and frankly, very stressful for folks. And so I think there were a number of us who were kind of just checking in on each other and seeing how things were going and we started to say, gosh, isn't there something we could do you know, that could make a difference? And, and so I think that was really kind of the, the emotional start of, of Rogue One or what came to be known as Rogue One. And it was just, hey, is there something that we as professionals, um, whether it's uh, you know, from a design perspective or, or a process perspective or whatever it may be, is there something that we could do that could put information out there that could actually help people? And so the group uh, comprised of, of Drew and Darcy and you and me and, and Ozzy and um, Chin and a couple other folks who've, who've been willing to come and help uh, just started to get together and meet. And what we ended up settling on was to use the format that, uh, that Chin, uh, Chin and I worked on to develop uh, as part of the growth of BA Science uh, when we were putting together uh, the, the website for BA Science in the past year, we have this format where we basically use a blog post, uh, which is, in Chin's mind, the way that we can best uh, put information out uh, to the community. And part of it is useful in that that it's a, a great format. It's web-based and you can share it in an email or you can tweet a link or or post it on LinkedIn and and people are able to then access it. So, so that was kind of the, I guess, the genesis of the group. And uh, what, what's been happening since then is that uh, it started with a a couple things that were really focused on, uh, on a response to COVID-19, whether, uh, you know, some ideas about how we could help hospitals with planning for a surge or how uh, you could convert an ASC to be able to, to host patients and, uh, to help with, uh, with how hospitals can, can allocate resources, et cetera. And as we, as we talked more and more, what we've settled into is really this idea of thought leadership. Um, and with that, uh, we, we have a new name. We actually have a, a project number that Chin set up that's called Deep Thoughts. And uh, it's, it's really meant to, to show uh, our expertise and to be able to share our knowledge. And that goes back to kind of the the second part of the story uh, that, that merged together here, and that that has to do with our our relationship that we we had with uh, with Array, an architectural firm primarily back on the East Coast. Uh, we actually had some uh, serious discussions with them at one point about our two firms coming together, and um, we we've collaborated with them on a, on a couple of different projects. And as we looked at our two firms, one of the things that we saw that they do very well that we wanted to try to, uh, to begin to emulate is that they, they, are, they turn out knowledge work all the time. They are always writing about their projects and process pieces that they use and really put their expertise out there, frankly, to a point where it kind of seems like they're blowing smoke at times. Uh, so, we, we wanted to come up with more of a Boulder Associates type method of thought leadership and of knowledge sharing. And so, that's really where this is transitioning to now. And so, you'll see that our more recent content has to do more with uh, how we can address some recommendations for the near future as opposed to something that, that is purely a response to COVID 19. And that's where we're beginning to share some of our expertise around, say, how to design uh, the piece that. Drew put out there around how to how to restart an ASC and uh, Darcy's working on one right now about federally qualified healthcare, et etc and how how the new restraints and constraints of COVID how those need to be incorporated and and how we can actually turn that into some thoughtful planning for the future where uh, you know beyond a COVID horizon but to potential uh, outbreaks in the future or other needs where where hospitals and, and our other providers, uh, how they would need to have different facilities that are adaptable and able to take on any type of challenge that might arise.
1: Sure. Um, Okay. That's, I love all of that. This is, it's been a fun, the group is, it's been a lot of fun to, you know, hear what this group is thinking about and focusing on and trying to, trying to help develop pieces that support our clients and my, question for you before I let you go is how do you, what's going to be the key to keeping the momentum with this, this thought leadership um, effort coming out of this? Like when we get back into, you know, our quote unquote, normal work patterns, what's, what's going to be the, how do we keep this going?
2: Well, I think what we need to do is to, to really work to promote the idea of thought leadership as a value add to our pro, to our practice. Because if, if we are, you know, part of, part of the charter of BA science is to show our expertise. And it's what we need to be able to do if we're going to punch above our weight class, so to speak. Because other firms like HGA or Smith Group or HDR, you know, all the larger firms have this sort of national level expertise that, that if we want to compete for work with them, and to be able to fulfill our strategic goal of, you know, 200 people and beyond, you know, we're going to need to have projects that are larger, more complex, where we need the expertise to not only deliver the projects, but even more critically, to be able to have the credibility to win that work. And so mm-hmm. all of this kind of, to me, is goes hand in hand. And, and the fact that we've got someone like Meredith, who who has a nationally recognized portfolio of of work that she's published and and uh, places where she's gone to to speak and people know who she is that's the kind of thing that helps us win work where that expertise is is desired and you know Mm -hmm. i i have a a similar level of credibility within uh, integrated project delivery and where that has mattered it has made the difference on projects and we want to set Mike up to be you know, in that similar position, and Christy as well. Uh, and, and it's really a matter of, of, of kind of working it from both the knowledge angle, and then at the same time, finding the projects where that expertise can be brought to bear. And then the job of, of, of everyone in the firm is to make sure that we're distributing, sharing on LinkedIn, or directly emailing our clients when there's a, a thought piece that, that could be relevant to them. So really, it, it's a it's a multi-variable equation, but the, the I feel like it's going to be critical for us to, to embrace this in the ways I've just described for us to grow to where we want to be and to get continue to give our our, our staff the, the opportunities, both design wise and in terms of advancement and yes, eventually assuming leadership roles. I mean, all of this. All of this ties together. It's one big, hairy, Gordian knot, as Will would say.
1: <laughs> awesome. Well, uh, on that note, uh, thanks, thanks so much and uh, appreciate you All right, on. that
2: sounds good. Thanks, Jenny. Appreciate you having me.
1: All right. Now let's hear from Chin, our Director of Marketing, on the importance of thought leadership at Boulder Associates. Hey, Chin. Thanks for coming on the podcast. Uh, I was, you know, you have been an active participant in the Rogue One effort and I was hoping to get your comments on thought leadership as a concept and what thought leadership means for Boulder Associates
3: Okay, cool well, thanks for asking me to come on Um, well, first off thought leadership is a dumb word Uh, (laughs) it's Unfortunately, it's what people have come to use as the buzzword like social media. Uh, But uh, so what it is, is in its simplest term thought leadership is basically putting um, thoughtful, smart uh, content. um, uh, Um, out into the industry that you can share with your network, um, and that's basically it. Because, uh, it, it, because I think in the old days it used to be you, all you had to do was let's show the projects that we've done, and that was sufficient for people to go oh, look. Oh, they do nice work, but but we're at a point now beyond which, beyond just merely showing projects, where. Particularly for our industry, um, they want sh- w- what we need to show people outside of our projects is that we we are engaged in the industry, we think about the problems that our clients and our industry goes through, and and we want to share our thoughts um, and and share our knowledge out there, um, and that's kind of why it exists and um, and why it 's become a thing um, and you know certainly it's it's it, at it, in its most um, in its most basic form it basically gives you something with which you um, uh, it gives you a reason to reach out to your sphere of influence it, 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 it basically puts something in your hands and your firm's hands uh that you that, that everybody can take and reach out to your that their professional sphere of influence and say hey we put this up i think you might find it interesting um and that's basically at it's very core that's what it is um and, and um yeah that's that's what the thought leadership thing is and 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 it's been It's been a thing in the industry for a while. We haven't necessarily been super active in it um, until, you know, uh, 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 until we started, until uh, Romano put the group together. Um, uh, In response to the COVID thing, um, I think partly because everybody felt like um, they were needed and wanted to do something. it, uh, it was something that I had a hard time driving forward um, uh, because I think we've—it's not been a program that we've had before, and and honestly, it's uh, uh, trying to get leadership to sit down and think stuff out in in abstract um, that's not related to a particular project, and put the amount of time it takes to generate that content. Uh, hasn't been very successful in the past. So, um, you know, I credit Romano and, and Drew um, and Meredith and, and uh, a whole bunch of other people for really uh, driving it uh, when they started it and continuing to drive it. Um, I am merely... Uh, I merely <laughs> help edit and push it a little bit.
1: Um. So what do you so i'm sure there might be other people who are interested in kind of knowing how they plug in to thought leadership and so what what advice would you have for people that might be interested in plugging into this thought leadership mechanism that we're now kind of dialing in during this covid F work from homes state that we're in right now
3: right well i i think uh i think at at the lowest at the lowest level um you know obviously read the stuff that we put out, but like you should be knowledgeable about the stuff that we are putting out in the world. So that um, if somebody, you know, let's say after COVID, so you meet, you know, your are back out in the field and somebody says, hey, I read the thing that you guys put out, it's really good. It, you know, you should know what that mm-hmm. content was about. Uh, you need to read it um, uh, because you don't know who's gonna ask you something about it and it would look just look bad. Um, obviously on the second level is share it, uh, read it and share it. Um, because, uh, it's, it's without the distribution, um, uh, the, the distribution is everything, right? Like, you know, it's, it's the old thing of, I know 10 people, you know, 10 people, Craig knows a hundred people and each of these people know another 10 hundred people, uh, and they're not the same circles, and if we get everybody as many people at the age to share as possible um you can never tell how far that's going to reach um and obviously the content has to be good and interesting uh um for it to really travel but but the first first step is is to just put it out there um you know I know some of you guys have some have really broad uh, professional networks and whether you share by, by LinkedIn which is the easiest thing or deliberately if I think of who would be interested in it and share your email that's fine too so so read it share it and then the third third part of it is I, I would encourage anybody who has an interesting idea um, regarding the industry or regarding design um, to to uh, maybe approach the team and say hey i 've got this idea i th- I think it 'll be interesting um, yeah. and to write about it it doesn 't necessarily always have to be the purview of the principles um, you know if 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 you have something whether it 's you know biophilic design or 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 a a, a uh, you know some kind of new idea that you can say hey i think you, I think this would be an interesting concept, and it doesn 't have to be executed. Um, you know, it it you don't have to show how, how it was implemented in a project that we did. It could just merely be, uh, you know, like, uh, hey, what if we thought about this differently this way? And yeah, so I think that's the beginnings of, of 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 how we can get future leaders to be, uh, to think this way, and honestly, to get better at it. There's no substitute for just doing it. If you do more. The more you yeah. do it, the better you get at it. So. Um, it's, I, I, you know, I, we just want good, thoughtful ideas. And then we'll worry about how, and my job is to then craft the messaging and get the writing down. But, but um, it, it has to come from the people with the expertise and the knowledge and, and on the front side, on the front lines of design, Um there are definitely a lot of firms where I can tell that the thought leadership is cranked <laughs> out by the marketing team. <laughs> it tends to have, there isn't a ton of depth to the content, and what content is fairly rudimentary. It's basically stuff that they kind of crib from other people's and then kind of put it together um, because the marketing team has an artificial calendar that says every month we need to put, the, we need to put something out, even yeah. if it kind of sucks. <sighs>
1: Awesome. Well, thank you. Thank you for the feedback and the comments, and hopefully we will continue this effort and keep people engaged in developing awesome thought leadership content.
3: Yeah, cool. Yeah. I mean, I think ultimately what it is, is anything that we put out there, the idea that we put out any, the idea is to put stuff out there where people read and go, man, these guys are really smart and interested and engaged and trying to solve problems and aren't just just about putting up buildings. Um, And so that's kind of what it is. Cool. Thank you. All right, well, thanks. Bye. Bye.
1: And now hear from Drew Garst in our Dallas office about some of the work he's been doing with Rogue One. I wanted to chat with you. So you have been a part of the Rogue One effort from day one. And your focus has been on ASCs. You've written a couple of pieces on them. And so I guess I just wanted to talk with you about how your thought process has been with those, what you see happening in the future and how we can you know, support our clients in this time of COVID-19 in the surgical environment.
4: Absolutely. Yeah. We, so, you know, it's, it was uh, like anything, it was an evolving, evolving process for us. Uh, very early on, we kind of brainstormed all the different Uh, ways in which uh, Boulder, Boulder associates expertise could help in this matter. Um, And one of them that came to the top of the list was ASCs. And, um, you know, Meredith had seen a number of articles. Um, I think one of them was in, it was through the advisory board. Another one was from ASCA and um, a lot of them were just talking about more, more or less generalities. What, what could ASCs do to help COVID? And so, um we kind of took the ball and ran with it and and one of the things that that I really liked about ASCs was it felt like it was answering uh the bigger and more important question relative to battling COVID if, if we can even remember you know nine weeks ago um when this all started it was you know there was a lot of discussion from our competitors about you know let's prefabricate and build ICUs and you know let's get them on the market and you know this that and the other and and even back then, what little we knew was time was the enemy, and so my first thought was, well, we need to find an existing asset. And I think you probably see a lot of that when you read the the Apollo 13 uh, uh, write up. But what could we find? And ASEs just really fit the bill, you know, on so many different levels. You know, if uh, you know we, you know, that's how Boulder Associates got started. For for those of you that don't know, ASEs was kind of were, were our bread and butter for many, many years. Um, and so anyway, the idea that, you know, they had generators, they had emergency power, they had medical gases, they had, uh, licensing agreements with hospitals. Um, they made all the sense in the world to use. And, and even maybe from a bigger standpoint, they felt like a very bolder associates answer because, you know, they, they really took out the idea of waste in my mind. Right. So from a lean perspective and even a sustainability perspective, we weren't going to be putting all these. Prefabbed ICUs that were going to take tons of resources and tons of time, and these were, these were a ready made asset, so that's where that all kind of started. That's how we ran with it that was Those were my primary thoughts as we developed you know the three different pieces we've done today. Um, I
1: was hoping you could share too the cool story um, about what happened when you shared out your piece with was it the the, the Texas Department of Health or the state board
4: Oh, yeah. Yeah, the state. So Rebecca Reed is the, uh, the head of our, our, our architectural review group uh, for the state of Texas. And when the very first piece came out, um, you know, everyone was in scramble mode at that time. And I think the timing of it was was really was really right on, at least for you know, how do we fight COVID? Because, you know, again, we were still climbing the, the curve. We were not flattening yet. And so, um, you know, we published the piece. We put it in front of her. I think it was like on a Friday. Monday morning at eight 30, she called me and said, okay, you know, give me the, the high level thought. And so I said, you know, well, obviously it, you know, they're ready to go. And I said, well, also you have ORs to use. Right. And that was one of the big ideas that no one had started talking about yet. And um, you know, that, that actually, that idea actually evolved from conversations within the rogue one group. And uh, and so uh, she's like, that's, that's fantastic. We'd never thought of using the ORs as a place to put the patients. Cause again, it's, it's, uh, you know, it's a sterile environment. Uh, there's a lot of controllability in those areas. Uh, and then the idea was, you know, at that time, again, we thought we were going to run short on ventilators. And so there was a whole bunch of research uh, or a whole bunch of thought that had, had said, hey, here's how you could hook up up to four COVID patients onto a single ventilator. Um, so as you go, oh, that's great. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go back and start talking to some of our, our, uh, our, our clinical staff and uh, see what we can do so luckily we never had to we didn't ever go down that road or we haven't gone down that road yet but it's in place and they can use it It if they want
1: shows the the, there's a a a lot of power in sharing this knowledge and these thoughts that we have out with the world so that's super cool um so what's on the horizon what are you working on now as your next piece
4: I, I think it's going to be around generally, um, you know, it won't be necessarily around ASCs, but it'll be around similar topics. Again, I thought um, the, the big idea that we were trying to get to was, you know, how can we make this simple? And, and again, what we're hearing right now is, is a lot of complexity uh, to try to solve this problem. And I think the one thing that we have learned that seems to be pretty universal um, uh, kind of across the world is the simple solutions seem to be the ones that have had the, the most impact. And so um, I think what I'm hearing about right now is they want to implement the idea of universal rooms again. And for those that, that you don't know what that is, um, you know, a universal room is one where you can see any level acuity patient, uh in a hospital. So it's basically an ICU bed, but you would put any kind of patient in that in that room. And this was probably pretty prevalent in the late 90s. Uh, early 2000s, people were moving this direction. And it was a bad idea back then in my mind because you were building very, very expensive space that may not solve the problems that, that we have. Um, so the idea is I think we need to start finding simple solutions and, and, and one that may have some promises, uh, uh, you know, try, trying to be able to open up windows in patient rooms again. That's, that's against code these days. So how could we talk about maybe changing code to allow Um, that to to be um, allowed again? And how can we make it safe for patients? Because it is a patient safety issue. So what's what's another way we can approach it? So again, trying to just find simple ideas and simple solutions instead of making things overly complex. Very cool.
1: Good stuff. Well, thank you. Thank you for sharing. Mm -hmm. Here's Darcy Hernandez out of the OC office talking about the piece she's currently working on related to federally qualified health centers or FQHCs. Hey Darcy, how are you? Good, how are you? I'm doing well, thanks. So you have been a part of the Rogue One effort and I was curious to hear your thoughts. You've been focusing recently on FQHC, so I was hoping you could share with our BA team a little bit about what you've been thinking about, what you've been working on for the piece and thoughts on the future as it relates to FQHCs.
5: Yeah, and um, I'm just getting started here and folks will help me kind of get it to the finish line. But um, uh, you all know that FQHCs, Federally Qualified Health Clinics, have been really an important part of um, uh, the shift in how we deliver healthcare over the years and a part of Boulder Associates. And um, we have many FQHC clients across the country. And so I wanted to do a piece on FQHCs, but to relate it back to where we currently are and some of the challenges within the health systems um, related to COVID-19. And so um, I thought that this would be an interesting piece that could start to get folks um, an overall knowledge of what FQHCs are, um, who they serve, how they get paid, um, and how maybe they differ from our typical um, primary care providers that are mostly based on getting paid through insurance. Um, and then um, how, how maybe FQHCs and health systems could be partnering to work together during this time of an infectious disease pandemic to um, better support and manage health and why FQHCs are positioned in order to help support health systems to manage um, population health. Um, uh, with COVID-19, Um, We think that there may not be a vaccine for a year or two, and uh, many people are avoiding going to uh, hospitals and health systems because they're scared. Um, And particularly the population that is uninsured, they utilize emergency departments as a resource for managing their health and may not have a connection with a physician who can really manage their health. And so, you know, can uh, FQHCs really start to fill that gap and help manage the population that's not showing up to the emergency department and getting, um, any kind of care currently, um, and avoid, um, avoid them having to show up at the emergency department when they really are sick or at a time where there's a surge of patients, um, related to flu or COVID-19. And so, um, Yeah, I thought that would be an interesting piece to start to look at of how health systems
1: and FQHCs could partner together to work on this. Nice. So tell me um, a little bit about how the process has been going, because I I think, you know, Chin talked a little bit earlier in the segment on how, you know, we're trying to drive this idea of thought leadership in the firm and sharing all of this expertise. I mean, you mentioned FQHCs have been part of the fabric of Boulder Associates for a long time, but how do you... So taking that knowledge and sharing it with the world, how has the process been going uh, for you to put this put this piece together?
5: Yeah, so I think on the first piece that I wrote for telehealth, I was really under the gun because I wanted to get it out because it was directly related to the timing of where we were at COVID-19. And I knew mm-hmm. if we didn't get it out, that it, it, the opportunity would be lost. And so um, I was really pleased with how like a lot of folks jumped in to help me pull together content. Um, you know, I had a, any idea, and then Meredith and Drew and Kate and a bunch of folks kind of pulled together and, and gave me some feedback on what, where there might be resources and what to talk about, and that allowed me to start to write something. Um, and I learned a few things from that process because I probably didn't um, do that process as well as I could have. Um, really, I didn't need to probably write and iterate as much as I did. Uh, we have an amazing resource, Chin who is a great writer. He's really great at organizing these thoughts. And you know, a lot of us haven't been in the habit of writing um, for many years since I got out of hmm. school. And I mean, frankly, I'm not the best writer anymore. Um, I realized I had to kind of reset my thinking and go back to some of the things I learned in school yeah. in order to <laughs> organize my thoughts. Totally. So um, Chin, Chin can help you through that. And I think on this paper, I'm going to write it, I'm going to outline it, and then I'm going to work back and forth with chin in order to expedite it and get it to the right place
1: quicker. Awesome. Well, good stuff. Well, thanks for jumping on and sharing your thoughts. I look forward to the piece that you put out there. Thanks for everything. Yep. Have a good one. Take care, everyone. Here's Meredith, our director of research with some thoughts on what it will look like coming out of the COVID-19 pandemic and our work from home environment. Hey Meredith, thank you for jumping on the podcast today.
6: Thanks, it's my pleasure, Jenny. Um, so you
1: have been a part of the Rogue One effort and have had some really interesting comments and perspectives on what the future of our industry might look like coming out of um, out of these, you know, work from home, you know, the, the pandemic. Like what what are our clients might be going through and, and what we might look like coming out of this. So I was hoping that you might be able to share some of your thoughts on that.
6: Yeah, absolutely. So I think the first one that kind of we're all most aware of is, is virtual work. And I, I think virtual work is permanent. Um, we've made the shift uh, and, and I'm not just talking about BA, but just as a culture and there's no going back. And the reason it's going to stick is because there's a lot of gains um, a study I read today said that only 6% of office workers working remotely want to go back to the office. So mm. that's 94% wow. of us don't. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's um, a lot. Wow. And, and then in healthcare, you've got your telemedicine and the patients are reporting um, that they, they like the convenient access. Right now, it's less out of pocket expense for them. That That could change. But right now, that's a benefit. Um, another thing that uh, I read was that the disability community feels much more equity in, in having access to things that they didn't before. So they, 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 they are having access to conferences that are being held virtually and, um, you know, even concerts. And so I think that's something we really need to take seriously moving forward is is making sure that that um, we maintain that equity. Um yeah, Wow. One of the questions that I think everybody asks is, like, when do we go back to normal? And I said last time, you know, there's no going back. We're in the middle of redefining what is the new normal. But I think what people really mean when they're asking that is, when can we safely physically interact again? Because that's the piece that people really miss and are feeling the void there. Um and I think that the realistic answer is is probably after there's a vaccination, which could be 12 to 18 months from now. Um, we have seen success in other countries that have opened up their businesses safely. And I, I know like we really want to follow their lead, but there's some key differences um, like access to health care and and access to sick time um, that are are affecting our ability to operate like those other countries are. So, for example, you know, in our communal populations like nursing homes and prisons, the the residents are um, are getting sick and they're dying because the workers and it, it's not the residents leaving. I mean, in theory, you could those places could be among the safest because they're a closed system. But instead, we're seeing these catastrophic impacts, and it's because, you know, the workers are um, not maliciously going and in they're infecting people, but they're they're doing what they need to sort of su- survive and sustain. And without being able to take sick time, um, they're they're making unhealthy choices, and and so there's those systemic issues, and and because of those, I don't know that we can freely move around. Um, so there's this question of kind of like what happens in the next 12 to 18 months? Is this just a get-by stage for us, uh, just getting by and getting through it? Or is is this a transitional stage to something different, something better? Um, and I, I think so as we move forward, we need to think about what's happening after this 12 to 18-month period. Do we want to revert back to pre-COVID or do we want to keep improving on whatever the transitional stage is. And I think about like my house is in the is in the middle of a hundred year floodplain and um, they just said, oh, that only happens once every hundred years and we're not gonna design anything different for you. It, if it happens, it's, it's too so, bad, too, so sad, right? Um, you know, is that gonna be our approach to COVID? Like these pandemics don't happen that often or is the world changing like Floods happening more than more frequently than every hundred years, um, that we really should be doing something different. So there's this there's this process I think of scenario planning where we need to ask on a case by case basis: Is there a better way of doing things, or was the old way the best? And you know, if you look at schools, well. The old way is probably the best because mm-hmm. kids, <laughs> you and I know that um, yeah. <laughs> kids developmentally need peer interaction. Um, you know, we we hear reports of of abuse occurring um, in the home and 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 more more incidents of abuse, I should say. And and so so, how do we create a workaround? And like I know Germany is doing uh, has 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 put together something that really works where. Half of the class comes to school on one day. The other half comes to school on the next day. But every day lessons are recorded. So whoever's not in the classroom can watch the lesson remotely. Um, and and it's the teachers who change classes, not the students The you know, they eat at their desks and the desks are far apart. So so that's a that's a workaround um, that's trying to kind of get at you know, what we are capable of doing in the old way. But, but then there's, then there's like things that should definitely pivot, like the healthcare waiting room. And I, and uh, that Darcy's working on. Um, Nobody likes to wait in the waiting room. Um, This is something that definitely, if it goes away, everybody would be very happy about. And we've got all kinds of innovations coming out of like the restaurant industry, your Domino's pizza tracker, your curbside pickup, your robot food delivery service. And I think those kind of things will allow us to do just-in-time appointments and bring the services to the patients. Labs can be mailed to the patients and mailed back. We already see pharmacy, that kind of thing happening with drugs, mail-order drugs. Um, Mm -hmm. So where I'd like to see us put more effort, though, is, is developing both short and long-term solutions to those communal communal populations like nursing homes. No nursing homes is it's a community that's already segregated. Um, Sometimes they're called like heterotopia, which means other space because they're so already disconnected from the larger community. And here we are kind of isolating and cutting off their contact even more. So when, how do we change that? now and definitely in the future
1: okay well thank you so much for all your knowledge and info and for all the work that you and the team have been doing to put push content out to the world it's i think it's 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 really great so thanks for thanks for sharing your
6: thoughts thank you
0: well that was really interesting for me to hear um and you know one one thing i love about this episode Jenny is the fact that you basically <laughs> did all the work and uh, you are, I guess we'd say you're the reporter. Uh, and, and that made sense because um, you've been part of the rogue one team. So it was cool for me. I've, I've been aware of it, but I haven't, you know, and I've seen the, the, the posts go out on LinkedIn and I've shared those. And, but that's been most of my involvement, but it's really cool to see what this group of people did to funnel their, you know, their, their true knowledge and their passion. And kind of meet the needs of the world, you know. One of the things that, that struck me in this, and I, had, I think it had a lot to do with what Chin had to say, was that we see firms doing thought leadership as a marketing thing, and it can be it can be somewhat transparent that that's kind of what they're doing. And we're just Boulder Associates. We've sort of not tended to be that firm. So in this moment, we've had a real need because of COVID-19. And our experts rose to the challenge, and they put some really great stuff out into the world. And, and to me, I think the challenge is to keep that going. Um, maybe we've, we've found that, that muscle in our firm and that voice, maybe, to do sort of genuine thought leadership that isn't a cheesy marketing gimmick. But, you know, we, are, we, we, we sell knowledge for a living, so it's not crazy to be doing this with some deliberate intent so i 'm just excited to see where this goes
1: yes um, i ho- I agree. I hope that we don't lose the momentum and I think that um another one of the things that Chin said that struck me was this idea that um, you know anybody in the firm that has an idea or has an interest that they want to learn more about potentially share with the world there's a group of folks to help support that effort that it 's not like these pieces have been done in a vacuum with somebody yeah. kind of sitting in a room writing a piece and then Chin just puts it on a template and pushes it out there. There's a lot of back and forth. There's dialogue, there's, you know, rewrites, there's feedback, there's this constant loop that's happening to make these pieces, you know, what they what they have been, and I hope what they continue to be. So I would encourage folks, if you have an interest, a passion, something you want to learn more about that you just want to talk with the group about, I mean, reach out. To me, to Romano, to Chin, to anybody in the on the Rogue One team that you've heard from today, and and we'll figure out how to make something happen. We, I mean, the more of this that we can do, the better. And I would just love to support people pushing pushing this stuff
0: out. And I'd even piggyback one more thing, which is that the the real prize here isn't actually the the written piece that goes out into the world. It's the mm-hmm. development of new ideas. It's the development Total. of the knowledge that we can use and that we can help other people yep. use i think that's that's what's absolutely exciting so okay well great job
1: <laughs> thank <laughs> you
6: <of this>
0: <laughs> and uh that's about it for today we'll be back in a couple of weeks we've got well, two or three ideas that we're working on not sure which one's going to come up next but we'll have something cool and we'll see y'all down the road a little yep.
1: bit sounds good thanks everybody.
0: Cut. There we go. Nailed it. Love it.
1: Okay. That was good.
0: That was there good.